Uh, I want to start off before I read any scriptures. I want to, uh, this last couple of weeks, the, what's been going through my mind is attitude. Attitude, and I want to, I want to break down attitude in a, in a way you might not have ever thought of it before. Um, in the psychology of it, simply put, and these are my words and thoughts, so if it's confusing, I'm going to try to explain it to you. It's when you compromise your belief or behavior to submit to the other. I want to re I'm, trust me, I'm going to help you get your mind around this and think about this. When I got a hold of this and I, and I thought on these things and I studied it out, it really got a hold of me and, and it's, it's a positive thing. Attitude. And the psychology of it, simply put, is when you compromise your belief or your behavior to submit to the other. Okay? That's what attitude is, is when you say, okay, I'm going to give up on this part of my behavior for my belief. Or I'm going to compromise my belief for this part of my behavior. Telling you that's some deep thought right there, guys. And this is probably not, you never thought of attitude like this. Example, compromise your behavior to fit your belief or compromise your belief to fit your behavior. Okay? When you have, and that's an easier way to understand that, you know, uh, when, you, when you have a belief system like what we have in our, our church, we have a belief system. Okay? As you go through everyday life, you're going to either compromise your belief system for a behavior that you got going on, or you're going to submit to, you're going to get your behavior under control for the belief system that we're having. We're going to go to 2 Peter 1, 5 through 10. We're going to read those and we're going to dissect some verses to just kind of put all this together and to help, help you out just to think a little bit different about attitude and, and some things. Remember the title, How to Be Fertile and Never Fail. Do you, do you never want to fail in life? I know we go through life and I, I'm telling you what, I'm a poster child for this. I have no problem getting up saying that because when I started the church, that's all I used to ever say. I'm a fail. I'm a fail. I'm a failure. I'm a pastor. Used to always tell me, "No, you got. You can do it. You can do it." And always would reassure me and get me back in there and keep me going. But one of my vocabulary, one of, the, and I fight it now. That's why when I, you see tenacity now. When I, when I sell a cell phone, it's the best cell phone in the market. If I'm going to sell a car, it's the best car in the market. I know the day that I used to live that those things didn't matter and I couldn't do those things. I couldn't amount to any of those things and they never were important in my life. But now there's a tenacity that comes along with it. That came through practice. And sometimes it's not fun, it's not easy to submit your will to, to God's will, but every one of us is called to submit our will to God's will. And once you start to line up your will, you're gonna find out life is a little bit better. Life's gonna be a lot easier. Even the birds are taken care of and they don't store nothing in barns. And you're much more precious than birds. 2 Peter 1, 5 through 10. And besides this, giving all diligence, add to your faith virtue, and to your virtue knowledge, and to knowledge temperance, and to temperance patience, and to patience godliness, and to godliness brotherly kindness, and to brotherly kindness charity. For in these things be in you and abound, they make you that ye shall neither be barren nor unfruitful in the knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. Verse number nine. But he that lacketh these things is blind and cannot see afar off, and hath forgotten that he was purged from his old sins. Wherefore, the rather, brethren, give diligence to make your calling and election sure. For if ye do these things, never fall. Just by giving heed and doing these things and, and putting your life in, in, the, in the pliable hand of God and allowing these things in your life, you will never fall. That's what the Bible says. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, I, I ask, Lord, to let this get instilled in our hearts, Lord, in our minds, Lord. Lord, because we're Christians, Lord, and we don't want to fall. We don't want to be seen the, on the short end of the stick. We don't want to be seen in the world in the mother grubs all the time or, or always under our circumstances or having a bad attitude or, or all the things in this life that are put, putting pressure on us, Lord, to be 
become a person. Lord, let us be able to affect the situation and change our outcome of it with our attitude, and we'll give you praise for it in Jesus' name. Attitude. A Christian should never have a bad attitude. First and foremost, let me get that out of the gates. This is an important part of the message. Don't fall asleep on this. A Christian should never have a bad attitude. Now, I know you can go through a circumstance and you can have some some not-so-happy time. Yeah, there's times when circumstances come in our life, and yes, you don't let the sun fall down on your wrath. But get it cleaned up before the end of the day. That scripture gives you permission to have a bad day. You have permission to have a bad day, but by the time the night gets ready to show up, you better have it cleaned up, and you better be ready to start a brand new day. The Bible says that tomorrow has enough problems for itself. Don't even consider tomorrow, but take care of today. Get the things in today and, and get it right and do it right. And don't worry about tomorrow because tomorrow when it shows up, guess what? A whole batch of circumstances are showing up on your doorstep. It's going to show up. It'll be knocking bright and early before you wake up. Why do you think when you get up and you get that fresh cup of coffee and you're all excited and you start your day and it pours all over your shirt? You didn't plan that the day before, but circumstances like that will show up in your day all through the day. Now, how do you deal with it? How's your attitude? Okay, remember what we talked about attitude was. When you take your belief system, and now it's more important than what the behavior is going to be, the outcome. So this is going to take some practice. It's going to take some effort on our part. It just doesn't happen. You just don't wake up and have a great attitude all day long. So something inside has got to say, okay, this is what the Word says, or this is what the church has been preaching, or this is what's going on, this is what my boss is requiring me. So i got to, I got to change my attitude to fit this perspective. i got to fit my attitude. It's going to take some work on my behalf, and it's not going to be fun because it's going to challenge all the things inside me to do this. Because I'm going to have to submit to something, and I'm going to have to control it. Control your attitude. Children, you know, they have a right just to run around and have a bad attitude, but guess who corrects that? Somebody will correct it until they get old enough to start doing it on their own. And hopefully they do grow out of it and start doing it on their own. But some of us have brought our attitudes from our childhood right up to our adult years. You know, they'll bring all kinds of stuff from their past right into their Christianity when the Bible says that all that's been washed away in the blood. So when are you going to start forgiving somebody or when you're going to start forgiving the circumstance and when you're going to start living in forgiveness? Amen? Isn't that what we're called to do? Let's discuss these scriptures we just read. I want to break down, uh, there's eight points in here. I'll be brief over them. The first one is faith. I'm just going to read them real quick and then we'll break them down. Faith, virtue, knowledge, temperance, patience, godliness, brotherly kindness, and I like that one, and charity. We just heard a few weeks ago that charity, if you have charity, eh, you don't need nothing else. It covers everything else. And it's really cool that God didn't start off and say you have to have charity first. He actually allowed this to be at the end part of it, okay? Because he wanted us to work on some things in our life. He just didn't want us to give you a blanket. Here you go, a blanket scripture, and that's all you got to do is just have charity. But there's seven other steps that you got to do by as you're getting to your charity. There's some things we got to work on. There's some things that we got to grow in. There's some things that we got to consider and put our mind and, and actually put some effort to it. Faith, virtue, knowledge, temperance, patience, godliness, brotherly kindness. Remember, never fall. If you do these things, you'll never fall. We need some victorious Christians. We got pews full of people that's fallen already. They're empty. And the scripture's given us a recipe not to fall. It's given us the answer and, and the things to do. If you put these things and do heed to them and actually work on them, you won't fall. Let's go with faith. Faith is the first one. Belief that is not based on proof. That's faith. Simplified version of faith. It's something that you're believing in without no proof at all. He said it, I believe it. Preacher's preaching it, I believe it. It's the ones that don't put the challenge out that get, that get ridiculed and get punished and persecuted because people don't like opposition. People will challenge it, but they won't do it to your face. So guess what? We're not too worried about them because there's all kinds of people that are not going to be happy about some of the things that we're talking about and some of the things that we're saying. But they're not our words. 
This is a free sermon to bring you to a better place. To, to, to what, what was the title? So you never fall. Yes, we, that's brotherly kindness. I don't want to see you fall. It's when you have the deaf ear and all of a sudden everything, you're desensitized and it doesn't matter no more. That's when you need to start worrying. Faith, belief that something just by not having proof. Belief on it. Believe. Like Peter. Nevertheless, that's your word. Just because you said it, I'm going to believe. Virtue. Moral excellence. excellency, God, goodness. Righteousness. Conformity of one's life and conduct to the moral and ethic principles. Uprightness. Virtue. There's scriptures in the Bible that, that people have reached out and got a hold of God's hem of his garment just to, just to get a touch, to get a healing. And you know what it says in the Bible? That virtue left his body. They were seeking something greater in their life, not just a healing. The lady with the issue of blood, I don't believe that's all that, I mean, she lived with it how many years? When you go through something like that, you have empathy for someone. I hope somebody would pray for me. Sometimes, sometimes things that happen in our life to, to bring us to a growing stage. And our attitude is what determines the whole reason for it. Virtue, knowledge. We got to get knowledge. This is one of the things he says, if you have this, you will never fall. Acquaintance with facts, truth, principles, as from study or investigation. It didn't jump off the wall, leap in your head, and now you got all this knowledge. You're going to have to do some effort. You got to go find some facts out. You got to go do some investigating. Amen. You got to get involved. You do investigating, come to church, and God says, guess what? What you've investigated all week is coming across this pulpit. And now you start to hear what you've been investigating. It's a whole different relationship when you do that. What's God going to say for me today? didn't put no effort in, didn't do no praying, didn't do no studying, and you show up and it's like God just, you're just waiting for God to throw the, the special rock right to your lap, and that's your answer. But yet he's saying, okay, bake me a little cake first. Do something for me first. Then I will fill your vessel. Then I will answer your prayers. Then you will get your answer that you've been seeking and, and toiling, because I know what you have need of before you even ask. That's what the Bible tells us, power and the might of God. And we're going to see great exploits out of his word. That's what the Bible tells me. We're going to see it. We're going to see men lay hands on people. We're going to see people that were crippled get up and walk. We're going to see the blind that walks in here with a stick, don't know where they're going to go and where, where they're going to end up the next day. And we're going to see it. Amen. And I'm not just trying to hype you up. This is what the word of God tells me. And I believe the word of God. Yes. You can dictate all your circumstances on what's going on in our life. But I'm going to tell you what, don't bank on that. And don't plan your life on these circumstances. Because I'm going to tell you what, our God is a mighty God. And he's a powerful God. And you're going to see miracles again. You are going to see the revival. We've been preaching it since we... It doesn't get old. We are going to get revival. I've heard preachers get up. We are in revival. What do we do with those sermons? A circumstance shows up in our life and we say, okay, it's over with. I believe we're still in revival. I don't care what my eyes are telling me. I'm seeing men as trees right now, but it's all right. All I need is another touch from Jesus. And one more touch from Jesus, I start seeing clear again. Hallelujah. Yeah, I'm spitting out some scriptures, but you need to do some investigating to understand what I'm saying. Those that saw it a little deeper are getting a little bit more this morning. Temperance. Temperance. It seems like as, as more involved you get with Jesus and the farther you get with it, and you start learning all these things and you start getting them down and all of a sudden something comes along in our life and, and stretches or breaks the bounds again that we had, all the little, the little box we had set up. He starts breaking down the walls and it grows a little bit. And it's not comfortable no more. He doesn't throw you away and say it's over with. The relationship is damaged. He goes, I knew I took some walls down. I took some hedges down, Job. 
I, I removed some things in your life, but it's just to get you out of your comfort zone to expand. And guess what? I'm still your God. I'm still with you through your circumstance. As long as you keep seeking, as long as you keep knocking, as long as you keep desiring, as long as you keep showing up where the glory pours out, amen, I'm going to fulfill your desire. I'm going to fulfill your dreams. I'm going to answer your prayers. I will be your God. Fear not. Fear not. Amen. Hallelujah. Moderation or self-restraint in action. A statement. Self-control pretty much is what, what temperance is. Self-control. God forbid we ask somebody in church to have self-control. That don't belong in church. The people in the bar need self-control. But not in the church. Not in the house of God. What do I need self-control for? When I start to indulge in something and I get those little feelings that say, listen, you got to back off a little bit. And you just overrun those because you're a Christian and God's blood will just forgive you. But something happens in a relationship, and that's what I'm talking about when you say, okay, I'm allowed to do some of these things. It's not expedient, but I'm going to back up a little bit, and I'm going to put a little barrier there. And I'm going to operate in a little, little different room here. I know I have the whole room, and I can go walking around anywhere I want, but I'm going to put some self-control. Not church control, not government control, not God control, but he's asking you to put some self-control. Some self-control. It's going to come it's going to come out of you. You're going to have to do something from yourself. Habitual moderation in the indulgence of a natural appetite or passion, especially in the use of alcohol and liquors. I thought that was funny when they put this one down here. Total abstinence from alcoholic liquors. That's another definition of it. It's like the guy that was writing this was redeemed from alcoholism. Because he, he put a face right to this. Because you know how many Christians I hear that say it's all right to drink. There's no laws against it. You know what? We can drink wine all we want. Jesus did it. He made her for his first miracle was in the wedding of Cana. And he made all that them foot water into wine. And if he can do that, you know what Mother Mary and all them can do? We can drink. I was 180 pounds. When I went through high school, all I weighed was 160 pounds. I was six foot three. You can see the bones in my in my uh, rib cage here. I had a funny looking one over here. I thought I was def deformed or something. Man, I can't even find it nowadays. You going out to eat after church? Yeah. Where are we going? Buffet. Okay. How many plates you got in there? About three. Gotta get my money's worth. Self control. A little moderation's not a bad thing. It's not bad to leave the table feeling hungry. Five or ten minutes later, go back to eat. Something happens not so hungry. Now your mind is caught up to your stomach. Some of us eat so fast our mind can't even catch up. And your stomach's saying, listen, all your blood just left all your brain to digest all this food that you put in here. You don't even know it yet, but in about 10 minutes, that, that feeling you're gonna get, oh man, it's gonna hit you. Now where does that come from? Experience. Okay, so all this goes together, guys. How many of us have went out and done the things that we wanna do and only feel bad afterwards? To feel bad afterwards, and, and to do it again and again and again, but finally after so many seasons of it, you realize, listen, I've been doing this so many, I've done this so many times, I gotta stop it. And then the battle starts. You can't stop. Yes, I can, all the, all the hopes and desires and aspirations are on, on good intentions and you wanna stop, but the enemy still shows up and says you can't do it. It's not easy, guys. But what is, this, what is the title? If you do these things, you won't fall. So practicing these little little things that I'm talking about, one by one, just take one out so far. Faith, I'm gonna work on faith. I'm gonna start believing even though I have no proof. Whoa, how does that work? Okay, when a preacher says you're healed, I'm not healed, there's no evidence of it. Well, you need to start believing you're healed. Financially freedom, 
You're financially free. Well, I don't see myself financially free. I don't see none of that stuff. Yeah, but you've been told it. So you need to start acting on it. Faith. Very simple, very easy task. Start with faith. And that's probably the biggest problem that most of us have is our faith. It's the biggest battle that we have. Okay? Now this is the one that's going to hit you hard. Patience. Patience. One of the first uh, definitions I've always remembered since I've studied it was the ability to go through a trial without grumbling or complaining. Let's read it again because I know some of us tune me out right there. Okay? The ability to go through a trial, a situation, a problem, something that's changed in your life without grumbling or complaining. Man, I'm telling you, I'm hitting myself right now. Just three months of kidney stone, got rid of it, got victory for a week, and got sick again. You don't think I complained? You don't want to be in my house. My mom puts up with some stuff. But then I start to seek, and I start to search, and I, and I start to listen to the preach word, and I, and I start to, to conform myself to, listen, I can't stay in this situation. I can't stay here. I can't allow these things to change and dictate my life. I don't want circumstances telling me this is what I'm going to do today. My situation is to wake up tomorrow and is going to say, listen, Dave, this is, your, this is your day all planned out, okay? And at the end of the day, you're so mad at yourself and everybody and you don't even have time for God and you're mad at the world because you'll, you, didn't, you didn't stop in the morning and start to plan some things out to make an effort at your day. If you don't care about your day, do you think God cares? Do you think he's going to stop the sun in one day and just put it right up in the sky just because you turned your face to the wall and said a little prayer? And God gave, gave him a declaration and said, listen, man of God, go in there and knock on his door and tell him he's, he get his house in order. He gave him time to get his house in order. And he says, after you get your house in order, you're going to die. The man of God turned and walked away and left. The man turned his face to the wall and started pleading with God. Remember all the days of when you first called me. I was like 12 years old. And I went into the house of God and I broke down all those sculptures and all that, the idols. And I unboarded all the windows and we brought worship back. Remember all that, God? And God says, yes, I do remember that. Okay, man of God, go back in there and tell him, he shall not die, but he shall surely live. What's the blessing? God telling him to get his house in order or God coming back and healing him? Because not much time after that, after his healing, and he got those extra years to his life, what happened to that man if you're a Bible reader? He ended up losing almost all of his kingdom because he opened up his kingdom and he started bragging about the things that he had. So God might have been saving him through his troubles and his problems and allowing him to get himself in order and allowing this problem, this situation to have Lord over his life for that time period. But instead, we wanted the answer so bad that we're going we're gonna to jeopardize our whole relationship with God. And sometimes God holds back the blessings and God holds back the answer. Because what you're going through is more important than you getting the answer. I've said that many times and it's not an easy thing. And you won't hear many preachers because everyone wants you to feel good about you know, your relationship and all these things. But I'm going to tell you what. Look at Job and look at Jonah and look at all the men of God in the Bible. Look at all the disciples that suffered, that died, crucified upside down, burned uh, in oil and all these pulled asunder. And if you were, and Jesus even told him when he called him out, you're going to suffer for my namesake. Come follow me. You're going to suffer for my namesake. It's a message that nobody likes to hear. Now the blessing is, is during the suffering that you still love God. You're still committed to God. You're still committed to the works of God. You're still committed to dedication with God. You still love God even though all the evidence is against you and all the evidence is against Him. And you still worship and you still love and you still pray and you still say, no matter if hell comes against me, no matter if I'm naked when I return, no matter if all these things happen, I will be with my God one day. Hallelujah. 
It's not, I'm telling you, that's patience. We go through a trial without grumbling or complaining. And I think the house of God should be full of those type of people. And I'm going to tell you what, it's not a thing you're going to jump up and you're going to run out of here and you're going to have all the patience in the world. Because I think it's one thing in this Bible that i found that you'll never find perfection in. As soon as you get it, I'm telling you what, the new level's coming. And the new stretching's coming. And a new form of patience is going to be accountable for. And God's going to require something new out of that patience. Because all the patience that you practiced up to that point aren't going to work in the next trial. And what comes out of that? Your attitude. Godliness. Conforming to the laws and wishes of God. Vout. That's godliness. Now, how can you attack godliness in the house of God? How can you say it? that's an old-fashioned term and we don't need that anymore in the house of God? Godliness is not that important. We have it by faith. It's on the inward man, and we don't need that no more. Tell you what, godliness is very important. And godliness is what opens doors between you and God. Godliness is what's going to get you access into the prayer room. When he said, okay, I require a tabernacle to be made in a desert, not in a great fruitful place, not in a, not in a garden of Eden, but in a desert place, I'm going to put a tabernacle, and each one of you are required to do a certain task. And if that certain task isn't done the way that I told you to do it, and my man Moses gets down there and tells you the form and gives you the map and the layout, if you don't do it the way I told you, I'm not showing up. That's what Jesus said. If one instrument, they had to have unity. They had to work together. Because if one didn't communicate to the other and the other one just said, okay, I'll substitute this and the glory didn't show up, somebody was accountable for it. There's many times in the Bible that somebody hid something in the camp and the whole camp suffered. We all got to take account to our camps. When you go to your house, take account to your camp. What are you doing in your home? It doesn't just, it's not just about you. It's about the whole. Now you need to get your camp cleaned up because the whole wants revival. The whole wants to see healing. The whole wants to see a move of God. The whole wants, and God's not going to just move because of one person. He wants to move because of the body, because we're the body of Christ. And when the body of Christ is fitly put together, great movement of God's going to happen, guys. When they were all in one place, in one accord, that's when the greatest move of the Holy Ghost was ever made. Never seen it since then, from that day, where all the people were in one room of all accord, and the Holy Ghost filled them all. That's what I'm talking about. And that's what God wants to see in our lives. He wants to do a greater move in our lives, guys. All this stuff that we got pre predetermined in our minds and stuff, God says, put that away. Put that aside. Start seeking me. Start getting your camp right. Start getting these things. Put these things in order. and Start putting these things in, in the right perspective. And I'm going to do a great move in your life. And this move is not going to be like anything that's ever heard of. They're going to write storybooks about Sanford. They're going to talk about you. About that saint that's on the pew right now under the sound of my voice. They'll be able to write stories and make movies about you. Amen? Because it's a phenomenon they never saw before. And God can do exceedingly, abundantly, above all that we can ask or even hope for. That's what the Bible tells me. The Bible tells me as much as I'm saying up here, He can exceed everything I'm talking about. Why do you think He's never allowed heaven or the thoughts of heaven to enter in our mind? Because it exceeds itself every day. He can't tell us about heaven. If He did, He'd cap it and He'd say, this is all heaven is. But instead, he's, he lets it multiply every day, and it gets greater. Your blessings in heaven, your mansion in heaven. Why does, he, why does it say he's still working on our mansion? Because if you would have stopped, that's, that's a limit on that. And God don't put limits on nothing. God will keep working on something and keep growing something and keep building something. He'll exceed anything that we can ever think of. He can exceed himself. He can just keep exceeding. Why do you think he created mankind? He had to share something with somebody. He said, I'm so great. I got so much going on. I got to share this with somebody. He didn't create us to be a burden. He didn't create your life to be a burden. 
He didn't create you to punish you. He didn't create your circumstance in your life so you can go through it and be miserable and go through your life and have all this punishment. And he's up there. <laughs> and when something happened, when that word touched me, I haven't looked at my days the same. I haven't looked at my situations the same. I don't even care anymore. I don't even worry about things. Let them worries go on. I don't even care. It stole enough of my life. It stole enough of my joy. I can't change. I'm learning. I can't change a thing by my worry, by my circumstance. I can't change nothing by thinking about it. So you know what? I'm going to be happy. I'm going to be excited about the things that's going on. Amen? Godliness is conforming to the laws and wishes of God devoutly. And God's still making commandments. He's still making commandments, guys. It's not just the Ten Commandments back in the Dark Ages. Like Pastor said, when you think you got it all, the forensic scientist Jesus shows up. And he brings all the cutting technology to the table. And he stays relevant to the times. I... You probably over the years have seen many things. But Jesus stays relevant to the times. And the times that are coming up on our life, God's going to stay relevant to it. He's already caught up there and he's waiting for us to catch up to all the technology and all the situations. And he's already standing there waiting with all the answers to all of our problems. He's, he's already there waiting. He's waiting on us. He's not back in the dark ages waiting until we get to that problem and we start praying and he says, oh, hold on, i got to catch up to that time. Brotherly kindness. So every time we say a nice word, this, this brotherly kindness starts to come out. And this is a required thing if you don't want to ever fall. We've got so sensitive, so much sensitive needs in our heart. And, and, and if anybody knew what I was going through and all the circumstances, man, we can sit down and start comparing ourselves like a poker game. Who's got the greater problems? And I'm telling you what, somebody will outdo us. I guarantee there's somebody out there that will outdo our problems. So instead, let's give glory to God. And then in the meantime, let's give glory to each other. Let's prefer our brother. Let's say a good word to each other. I know we're all looking for the good word, but let's say something good about somebody else. I'm telling you what, let's do that, guys. Let's make a deal with ourselves on that one. Okay? Charity is the last one. Charity, and I, I put a slash with it, or love, because that's one of the verses and one of the things he broke down and says, if you do these things, you will never fall. Okay? If you have charity, which you have a giving spirit, Okay? If you're not a giver, you're going to fall. If you're just a saver, you're going to fall. It's not about just saving. And it's not about just your household. It's about charity. And there's people out there that, I'm telling you what, they're, they're bad off. There's Americans out there that are very bad off. And it wouldn't hurt some of us just to walk up to them and say, you know what, I want to buy you a pop today. That's Christianity right there, guys, at its finest. I'm not going to ask for anything. Man, you don't even have to come to my church. You don't even have to bring that up. But do something nice for somebody. Some of the greatest things, stories of the worldly stories is when somebody has paid it forward, has done something for somebody else, mysterious strangers showed up and did something. You hear all these tales and it really touches people. But let's do it. Let's be that person. I've heard stories. I heard my mom come home. She was in a, in a, uh, in a and I heard a radio station talking about this before. I, it just popped in my mind. This, this radio host was saying, listen, when you get in a line and, you're, and you get ready to buy yourself or your meal at a fast food, pay for the person that behind you. Just tell that person, don't even have to tell them your name or anything, just say, Jesus loves you or something, or I just want to do something good for my neighbor or anything, and just pay for that person's meal behind you and drive off. Or you can drive off into a corner and just watch them. And you'll see that person that's all disgruntled, that's ready to cut people off, that's mad, that's miserable, has a bad life because they don't know who Jesus is. And all of a sudden, you get to the window, get ready to pay. It's already paid for. 
their countenance changed. My mom came home and somebody did that for her. She was so excited. It made her day. Something so simple made her day. It was a great thing. But sometimes charity, doesn't. It's, it's going to cost us a little bit, but the reward is greater. To devote one's life to charity, that's what charity is. And we all know what love is. Love, I'm going to tell you what love is in a good, quick, modern term. I thank you so much for supporting me. Hey everybody out there in podcast land, David again, another podcast for you today. Today I'll keep it kind of simple, Uh, I just got back from a doctor's appointment and figured I'd let you know just briefly how that has gone. The doctor's office was different, you walk into the doctor's, you're greeted at the door now, given a mask, a name tag. You're asked a series of questions pertaining to the virus that's going around. Once you complete that, you go to the next place, which before this all happened, you could just freely walk in. You would have no problems. You would not be stopped, asked, or nothing. And so life has changed in that way. And then when I got to the doctor's office, I waited. It was totally empty. There was people working behind the glass. And... The whole time while I was there, they were discussing the changes, um, some of the frustrations, and some of the positive things out of it. We got into some discussions about God, uh, really good discussions about the church and God, and the types of things that are going on in there, in people's lives. The doctor came in and we got into some big discussions of politics and to those that are in power, and his thoughts on it and I appreciated everything he said and we all agreed in a lot of topics and we just we had a good visit and uh, I just wanted to share that with you because when I walked through the halls it was very empty and when I got to the doctor's office it just seemed very empty and lonely you know big buildings like this and it's like us in our prayer life sometimes we go through our life thinking that we're alone and God's not with us but he's with you and he's always with you he's always going to be there for you So, that's just a quick thought to remember that God will never leave you nor forsake you. And just remember he's always there with you. Even if he's silent, sometimes he's with you. Now, I've created a website. You have all know my website by now. And if you don't, it's sanctified.life. Just type sanctified.life in the Google browser and it will take you to my webpage. Once you get to the webpage, you'll have a lot of menus you can pick from. Now the first three menus, the first one will be about, the second one will be, or excuse me, the first one will be home, the second one will be podcast. And if you want to follow any podcast easily, instead of waiting for a Facebook, you can go right there and select podcast and go right down, go now, go down to the drop down menu inside Anchor and follow any one there, or you can follow it on any one of the other six live stream places that is available for you at the options right under the name and you can follow me that way now that's not why i'm making this 
plea to you, my plea is, because the third page I've created a few days ago is called Members Only. Now this is an exciting page here. Now, in order to become a member, you fill in, you make yourself a username, a password. You're gonna go through the series of questions. Once you finish that, you'll submit it and it's gonna say access not granted. You're gonna have access denied immediately because I am filtering out who is coming and who's not. Now, I'm letting everybody in until somebody does something they're not supposed to, and then I will ban them or I will limit their ability to discuss or be part of what we're doing. And it is gonna give you access to the prayer wall. Now, the prayer wall is gonna be, when you first get there, I, gave, I wrote a letter to all those who became a member. It will be a blessing prayed over you. That's a, that's a blessing there. Once you receive that blessing and you become part of the prayer wall, the team, you're able to access it, read people's prayers, read people's input on things on that site. You can actually post them yourself. You can list prayers. And I really want you to do updates. And I think I might do an update page eventually to have victory or something that has not happened yet. And we need to keep praying and so I'm in the process of working all this out. But if you go there and you sign up and you see access not granted, don't be discouraged and don't think that I'm blocking you. Just fill it all out and wait because once I go through the emails that are, when I receive the email that you are trying to log in, I will go in there and I'll give you access. And then you'll be part of the members team. Now, you don't have to be a member. Anybody that listens to this podcast and goes to these sites can freely check out anything that's on there but in order to be a verified member that you can post and write and be part of I'm asking you to do these things now also there's a Christian resource page in my web page now on my website this is given a lot of music you can go to and listen to the different music I put in there I got a Bible study page and I've got a lot more than I'm working on I'm really working on some pages for outreach to give to the need, need to people that are less fortunate. I'm gonna pull resources together from all my listeners, Matt. Eventually we'll get to this point where we're gonna be able to help people out, either send them um, you know, gift cards or we'll deliver groceries to their door, whatever's needed, but we're gonna provide for our fatherless, our widows, and those who are less fortunate, those people. So, I'm excited for all we're doing. We're really reaching out into our communities, really reaching out into the public. I'm a voice that's reaching out there to deliver the message of Jesus, and especially the times that we're in. Just got some new gift or um, new business cards made hot off the press. I have those available now. They're really cool. I will put a picture of them up on my Facebook so you can check them out. They were very creative and uh, it's it's got the virus stuff on the front and my name, Sanctified Life, for our webpage. On the back it says, are you sick of social distancing? Are you tired of social distancing? Then get have a sanctified life. Get sanctified. And then it gives you the Facebook address. So it's pretty cool. It's good, exciting things, very creative and fun, and just trying to be a minister in the the time that we're in, 
to be effective and I'm not somebody that sits back and waits for the times to tell me what to do. I'm gonna be ahead of it as a leader and moving and making the best of what has been given and we are gonna reach people. We already are reaching people. Our Bible study groups that we've been doing on a nightly basis since December is at about 11 people right now nightly on video. Very powerful prayers, very powerful people. We're in the process of writing a letter, each person and emailing it to me and I'm putting it in cards for families that have lost loved ones right now in, in this pandemic and we're writing it to them and we're sending our prayers to them. We're, we're being effective. We're doing something. We're not sitting back being victims because I don't believe a Christian should ever be a victim. And I don't believe a Christian should go on to go back to the way things were. If you are satisfied the way things were, you really have to have a rededicated life with God. If you want to go back to your old way, you want the life, everything to go back the way it was, your church building to go back the way it was, your job to go back the way it was, you really need to pray because this is an exciting time. This is the time that we're living that could be just like the disciples' time where we are effective, we are one-on-one, -on -one, we're reaching people where their needs are, we are effective ministry now, and we're no longer on the sidelines. We are at day 22 in our prayer, 30 days of prayer, and the power is here, folks. We have power. We have power to change our situations. We have power to affect our communities. We have power to affect our families. We are not powerless. We are not victims. So don't be a victim today. And with that, God bless.